Greetings, Hempster. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of HempAware Radio, where we focus on what's most important. And if you have a hemp company and you need to help uh, help getting your traffic and sales up, or if you're wanting to completely redesign your website, and especially if you want to start getting seen with masterful branding, graphic, and web design services, then feel free to reach out to us on hempaware.com and schedule a call today so we can help you make your hemp visions come to fruition. Tyler Hemp here, your hemp entrepreneurial host, here to hemp power and hemp educate your hemposphere as usual because it's important to provide food, shelter, clothing, energy, healing, plastics, paper, fuel, and so much more. And so in the spirit of raising your hemp awareness, I'm looking forward to this empowering conversation with Morris Beagle of NOCO Hemp Expo, the Southern Hemp Expo, Tree Free Hemp, and SilverMountainHemp.com, a uh, hemp guitar company. So without further ado, let's dive right into it. I'm so excited and thankful to uh, welcome you to the show, Morris. Glad you can make it. Well, thanks, Tyler. It's good to be back. I think we spoke several years ago on your podcast, and thank you for all that you do as far as spreading the goodness of hemp and the awareness of hemp. You do an awesome job. Thank you, brother. I appreciate that. And yeah, it's always good to circle back around and um, get a little insight on your experience in the last several years. And uh, for those that maybe don't know who you are and the uh, monumental impact that you've had on the industry, maybe give me uh, and our listeners a little bit of background of where you come from, maybe where you were born and a little about a little bit about your expertise and, and training or your background. And then ultimately what led you up to industrial hemp in the first place? All righty. Well, I was born in liberal Kansas which is actually uh, part of the Dust Bowl that happened back in the 20s and 30s when we realized what uh, farming could do to uh, destroying our land, and we're seeing that again uh, these days. But uh, that's where I was born, and my family moved to Colorado uh, when I was six months old, and I grew up in the Loveland-Fort Collins area, graduated from Loveland High School, I was into music growing up, was into a lot of sports, I played golf, I played golf for a year at Colorado State University, um, was looking to be a pro golfer, but I had some back injuries and decided uh, that that probably wasn't going to be the career path. So I decided to head into the music industry, and I found a school in Atlanta, Georgia called the Music Business Institute. I moved out there in 87 and graduated from there and went directly into the music industry, working for a large music and video distributor called the Handelman Company. And 1988 and got transferred to California in 1991 to head up their West Coast retail operations and worked in California, Washington, and Hawaii for four years before exiting the corporate music world and moving back to Colorado and starting my own record company called Happy Scratch Records, which became more of an umbrella of different things. I did a lot of um, CD and DVD manufacturing and packaging and product distribution and T-shirts and hats and merchandise and managed bands and promoted shows and book concerts and festivals and uh, did a lot of things. And, and when I moved back to Colorado, I moved to Fort Collins and there was a store that was called the Hemperer's New Clothes that was in Fort Collins. And that's where I actually first became familiar with industrial hemp. I was obviously familiar with cannabis. I've 
been a recreational user since high school, I would say. And and when I found out about industrial hemp, it's like, wow, this is cool. I hung out at the shop a lot. I saw the Jack Hare book, The Emperor Wears No Clothes, and read that. And it's like, wow, this is a pretty amazing plant. And I didn't really become a hempster at that point, but I did do some hemp merchandise for some bands and for Happy Scratch itself, did some hemp hats and some T-shirts. And uh, I think there was a a company called Headcase back then, which was where I was getting the hemp hats from, and they were 100% hemp, and they were really, really nice hats. And too bad those guys aren't still around because those are still some of the best hemp hats that I think I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. So I, I managed uh, to stay in the music business up until about 2010, 2011. Uh, the digital wave kind of killed the physical media business. Um, as you know, there's probably very few record stores left anywhere around the country. There's still a handful of them that sell a lot of vinyl and so forth. But the speed business got pretty much decimated by Napster and then MP3.com and then all the pirate sharing sites where you can go basically download discographies from every band that exists out there. So that really had a huge impact on the music industry and particularly the physical media industry touring bands could still make money but it was really touring and selling merchandise and Mm -hmm. so at that point I was like I need to find something else to do I need to find a different career and and at that time in Colorado 2009 2010 the medical marijuana thing really started to pick up and we were open to dispensaries out here and in 2012 we uh, legalized adult use cannabis with amendment 64 and with that legislation there was the opportunity for Colorado farmers to start growing industrial hemp and I was like hmm hemp maybe I should get into the hemp industry and and so I started Colorado company in 2012 with my partner Elizabeth Knight and we started repping hemp shoes from Wicked Hemp Footwear and Hempies had was a merchandise company that's still around in San Diego and they had hemp hats and shirts and wallets and cordage and a variety of textile type um, products. And then Hemp Mania was another company that we picked up and started repping as well. And they're out of Washington. And I think they're still in business as well. And they do mm-hmm. like backpacks and, and bags and cordage and similar to, to Hempies, but a little bit different. A little bit different mm-hmm. selection. And we started making our own t-shirts and hats and our own merchandise. And, and the following year, I found a hemp paper company, Green paper who I think you're familiar with out of San Diego mm-hmm. and it's like hey I've been in the printing business for a long time doing CDs and DVDs and other marketing collateral so I developed a relationship with them started buying some of the paper and testing it out on various different digital machines and offset presses here in Colorado and it's like you know we'll, we'll start a hemp paper company called tree free hemp and it's really more of a printing company than a paper company because I wasn't making any paper so right. but you know that led into to tree free hemp and from there we just started creating um, more and more little offshoots 2014 we started NOCO Hemp Expo because there was no hemp expos going on there were cannabis events going on that might have a handful of hemp vendors here and there but there was no real focus on industrial hemp and, Mm-hmm. So NOCO started in 2014, and then in 2015, uh, we launched Let's Talk Hemp Media to kind of help with the programming of NOCO Hemp Expo first and foremost, and then it 
has become mm-hmm. a full-on media platform with editorial content coming out on a re- weekly basis, and we curate lots of news from around the world from various sources. And and that's really kind of the beginning of how I got into the hemp industry. Thank you. That's super inspiring. I mean, you're definitely a uh, poster child for a hemptrepreneur and for other hempsters out there that are wanting to develop their own brands or build their hemp companies. They um, have you as a resource. is super valuable. So uh, by all means, if, if you're listening to the show, check out Let's Talk Hemp. And um, we're going to talk about your hemp guitars and, and um, go a little bit more into the tree-free hemp stuff. But um, you had mentioned you came across this hemp store in Colorado, uh, the Emperor's New Clothes, and you were exposed to just all these different uses and the Emperor Wears No Clothes book by Jack Herrer, and you started getting the hemp bug. Was there a particular historical fact or something that you learned about that just made the light bulb go off for you that, that you could share with us? Well, I guess one of the things was that uh, hemp cultivation goes back to the beginning of agriculture, like 10,000 years ago, mm-hmm. which was like, wow, we've been growing this since we started doing agriculture. It's one of the very first things that we started to grow mm-hmm. in that way. So I thought that that was rather interesting. And then realizing that hemp's been used over millennia for various things from paper to canvas and artists like Van Gogh and Rembrandt painted on canvas back in the Renaissance era. And then, you know, with the founding of the country, I mean, we sailed the ocean using hemp sails. And when we got over here to America, not that we found America, but uh, during our early days in the 1700s, it was like illegal not to grow hemp back then. It was a it was a main commodity product that we had to grow. So I thought that was pretty mm-hmm. interesting too. And it's like, wow, this seems like a pretty resourceful product or a, a crop that can do all these different things. I want to investigate it more. Right. Yeah. I mean, even uh, at one point we could pay our taxes or farmers could pay their taxes with hemp. So this country really is just I think founded on this plant. Like you said, our founding fathers were hemp farmers and original drafts of the constitution were on hemp and all that good stuff. So there's um, yeah, tons of, of historical hemp facts that I think were swept under the synthetic rug, so to speak. And now they're all coming to the surface and uh, we're seeing this, the true value of this plant. Um, but as, as far as your company, so there's NOCO Hemp Expo, Southern Hemp Expo, You've got Let's Talk Hemp, Tree Free Hemp, and then SilverMountainHemp.com for the for the hemp guitars and, and music instruments. Maybe tell us, I know you kind of already went into it, and it totally makes sense as to why you have these five projects or, you know, companies. But what would you say, like in, in a uh, hierarchical order, like where do you see most of your business or where, where's the biggest focus for you in terms of these five projects? And then, like, the second most important, like, how, how would you rate them in terms of um, your focus and where, where you're putting most of your energy? Well, so I've, there's actually more than five when they're – when it, mm-hmm. I wouldn't say they're all separate companies as much as kind of they, – they fall under a couple different divisions. And I, and I started with, uh, 
in 2015 because we started to come up with all these different brands. We started with the Colorado Hemp Company, then we had NoCo Hemp Expo and Tree Free Hemp and Let's Talk Hemp and Southern Hemp Expo and, and yada, yada, yada. So it's like I need a holding cell for all this. And so WAFBA, which stands for We Are For Better Alternatives, um, is really kind of this holding umbrella for, for all of the entities and imprints that I've got. And one area is really events and media. So that would be NoCo Hemp Expo, Southern Hemp Expo, uh, Let's Talk Hemp Media. We've also done a variety of other events, Hemp on the Slope, SLB Hemp Symposium, Hawaii Hemp Conference, Winter Hemp Summit, um, Hemp on the Bayou. And so we've done uh, probably almost 40 events over the course of the last 10 years now. And mm-hmm. um, so that's really where the most energy goes and that's where the the revenue has been generated is under the events umbrella Um, and the media platform is there to to support the events and to support the industry and and help uh, nourish it along so to speak and then the other side uh, of WAFA is really the products and services side and so that's where tree free hemp paper and printing comes in silver mountain hemp guitars one Planet Hemp, which is really our merchandise kind of line for T-shirts and hats that we do ourselves. Um, and then I also have a, a website called HempEvents.org, which is really just a community-based website that people can post their hemp-related mm-hmm. events on there. And, and we'll post some cannabis events that touch on mm-hmm. hemp as well. But it's really for the whole community around the world. If you want to promote your event for free, we, we'll do it right there at HempEvents.org. That's awesome, and and I see uh, experience hemp as well as is, is um, another kind of more international focus for hemp events. Is that right? Yeah. So experience hemp is the latest thing that that we've created, and it's it's still more of a developmental side of things. We're going to be doing um, like an experience hemp Mexico event. Um, and I've got Experience Hemp International. I bought a, a bunch of domains. And, and so this is really kind of taking the entire hemp experience and being able to to drop um, a, a whole preconceived thing into a specific location. So we could go to, let's say, Ireland, or we could go to any place in Europe or any place in Asia or any place in, in North America or South America, like I said, with Mexico. And so Mexico is going to be really kind of the – the next step for us there's a lot of opportunities down there and hemp is legal down there but there's still some regulatory weirdness that's going on and mm-hmm. eventually mexico will figure it out but i think mexico is going to be a good market for industrial hemp we've still got yeah. manufacturing down there there's lots mm-hmm. of land people know how to grow crops down there right there's textile manufacturing down there still so that are doing mm-hmm you know, cotton apparel and so forth. So that it would be really easy to um, at least move the, the textile market more out of Asia where it is now for, yeah. for him to at least North America. And not that we're not doing some here in, in the United States and North Carolina and so forth, but our manufacturing for textiles and stuff has basically gone overseas right. in the last 30 years or so. Mm-hmm. Yeah. A lot of the old, textile manufacturing equipment i guess was just shipped overseas because we just lost the industry here so now we got to bring it back but yeah mexico sounds like a really good um, i guess bridge or, or way to bring it back to this continent 
Right. So, yeah, that's super exciting. Um, so as far as, you know, putting on these events and traveling the world and, and um, organizing all of this, what would you say are some of the, the biggest challenges that you've had to overcome and, and how are you able to overcome them? Well, first off, it's we're, we're a brand new industry here in the United States. And so you've got a lot of new companies that have just popped up and the regulatory aspect been challenging because it's you know it's associated with marijuana and marijuana is still federally illegal although it's legal in Colorado and it's legal in a lot of states now um, but the it's been challenging from that standpoint with the confusion of hemp and marijuana um, and then companies being able to know how to actually, you know, develop an industry. I mean, we're, we're creating this industry from scratch, really. And we can look to China or we can look to Canada and see what they've done over there. We can look to Europe and see what's been done over there. But the American market and trying to create it here, it's just been, um, well, there's been a lot of enthusiasm and we've seen the, the industry grow significantly from 2014 when the initial farm bill was passed that allowed pilot programs in states across the country and see all these companies popping up but how do you actually get the the product to market and and so you know the events have been a good place for the industry to really get to know each other and for us to start to establish a real industry and you know getting people to certain areas of the country and and to do trade shows it just com- it, it comes with challenges but fortunately for for me and my team we've been doing events over the course of the last 20 or 30 years with various things in the music industry and so there's that's been beneficial for for me to to put on these events because I know how to put on events and our events yeah. aren't, haven't been just traditional trade show conferences. Mm-hmm. We've always had an element of kind of entertainment and, um, education. and just, uh, education and, and more of, a, of a different perception and a different vibe with our events. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of liken it to a Lollapalooza type energy and, mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I've, I've, I've tried to take bits and pieces from different festivals and different conferences and trade shows I've been to like the NAM show, which is a big music trade show that happens in LA and happens in Nashville. And that's where all Fender and Gibson and Roland and Tama mm-hmm. and you know, all the musical instrument manufacturers go to. It's a huge trade show. Um, mm-hmm. CES, which is a consumer electronics show. I've went to that several times and, mm-hmm. you know, we're far from being the consumer electronics show. We've got right. decades to go in that, but mm-hmm. um, I would guess, you know, the biggest challenge has been trying to scale this up. Um, with the right companies and making sure that we focus and try to filter out the good guys from the bad guys. And that, that's been challenging because a lot, I think a lot of people got into this industry with good intentions and then for a variety of reasons, um, regulatory being a big part of it, um, you know, just didn't have real good business plans and, mm-hmm. um, 
and made promises that they couldn't keep. And there was this thought that everybody was going to get rich from CBD. And CBD really kind of overshadowed the entire um, reason we got into the industry, which right. when I got into it in 2012. I didn't even know what CBD was. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, exactly. I knew what THC was and I knew what right. a cannabinoid was, but it's like, right. here comes CBD. That That's not why we legalized industrial hemp. That was never mm-hmm. the push. It was, the push was for industrial hemp being mm-hmm. food and fiber and housing and mm-hmm. and textiles. And that's why I got into it. And then all of a sudden right. here, industrial hemp is now CBD and supplements, and it's mm-hmm. definitely more closely related to the marijuana side because you're ingesting mm-hmm. this. And does it get you high? Um, no, mm-hmm. it doesn't. It's you know now the industrial now in 2022 or you know industrial hemp does get you high because we've got delta eight and mm-hmm. THC O and HHC and all these synthetic. Yeah that have been converted from CBD. And so I would say that that's been a a challenge. Now, that's the current challenge of what is the hemp industry? Is it Delta 8? No, that's really an adult use product. I don't Mm -hmm. think it should be illegal. And I think there needs to be a pathway for it. But uh, it's an issue for our industry at this point in time. Yeah, I, I call it the hypnosis, you know, that people are being hypnotized with, you know, what the reality is of things. And you're absolutely right. I mean, the Hemp Industries Association was formed back in like, gosh, like, I think 1998 or something like that, 99. And I think it was um, 94. 94. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Um, I mean, nobody knew what, what CBD was. It was never about that. And you're absolutely right. I think people's... Um, eyes got all lit up with dollar signs, but the original hempsters that got into this for, for the real reasons, you know, food, shelter, clothing, I mean, granted, there are therapeutic and medicinal benefits of the cannabinoids, and they have a place in our pharmacology and, and in our society, but, um, but yeah, the push for that really messed things up a little bit and got people, I think, still skeptical or not exactly clear on, on the distinctions between industrial versus medical recreational. So having your events and Let's Talk Hemp and, and things like Hemp Aware is, is a way for us to just keep making a clear line and, and distinction between what it is that we're dealing with here. But so, yeah, th- those are definite challenges. And I think you're, you're overcoming those challenges, you know, being that you have a background in event coordination and the music industry is just a perfect, uh, a perfect marriage for integrating hemp into what you're doing. That's super exciting. Uh, but as well, far as another like, thing that we did was in 2015, when we started our marketing for NOCO was we changed it from just industrial hemp to industrial and nutritional hemp. And then Mm -hmm. soon after added therapeutic because Mm -hmm. that way it really covered the spectrum of what the plant can do from the therapeutics of the supplement side to nutritional side of the hemp seed and protein. And and then to the industrial side, which I really look at as building materials and composites and plastics and for paper Mm -hmm. Um, exactly. all the other stuff that it can do to help benefit the planet and replace toxic ingredients in various, you know, industrial processes. 
Mm-hmm. Exactly. Which brings me to my next question. What sorts of, of opportunities do you feel are, are currently untapped or, you know, have a huge potential with regard to hemp products or where do you see kind of some open markets right now that people should take advantage of? Well, I think you're seeing that the building materials market is finally starting to gain traction. And that's mm-hmm. been a, a huge thing for me to see happen. I'm really a big supporter of USHBA, the U.S. Hemp Building Association. I think they've done a, a great job raising the awareness and, and fighting for um, some of the certification things that, that need to happen so we can prove that these materials do what we say they can do and that they're mm-hmm. more environmentally friendly and they continue to sequester carbon and they um, they work and perform as good as their petroleum counterparts or whatever those other materials are. So mm-hmm. I think that that section or sector is at tremendous upside and, and scalability Mm-hmm. along with composites for, the, let's say, the automotive industry. Uh, we've got a, a lot of automotive manufacturing here in the United States, as well as in Mexico. So in North America, there's a lot of opportunity to um, have the auto manufacturing industry take a look at what hemp can do from a composite standpoint, from the inside car paneling to, you know, building the, the bodies out of hemp. And mm-hmm. there's a, a, a company in California right now, Aptura, I think is the name of them. Are you familiar with them? They've got like these little spaceship cars that are solar powered. No, Aptura. No. Aptera, A-P-T-E-R-A. Okay. That's what it is. Um, and so they're raising funds right now, but they've got some demo models, and I think they've pre-sold like 16,000 cars. We were just on the wow. phone with them last week. And, okay, yeah, um, I have seen this. I just pulled it up. Solar powered, yeah, right? Yeah. What's that? They're solar powered? Well, so they're electric vehicles, but they they can get 40 miles a day from solar power. So if you're just using it as like a cruise around vehicle around town, you might never, mm-hmm. never have to charge it using right. electricity. Um, wow. And, you know, this is just at the beginning. So imagine where we can be at five or ten years from now. But that the bodies of those vehicles do have, hemp in them currently um there are other plant-based materials for the composites to to my knowledge they're very eco-friendly so elon and tesla need to watch out for technology like this and i'm surprised elon hasn't actually jumped into the the hemp side of things you would think that is talking about saving the planet and how great Mm -hmm. tesla is and all the stuff he likes to pat himself on the back with yeah it would be a big hemp from a material standpoint. I know, right? Maybe he will be at some point. I think he needs to change a little focus and kind of get off the Mars kick. But I guess somebody's got to do it to try to get us to another planet. I don't think I'd really want to go live on Mars. I'd rather try to do everything I can to save this beautiful planet than terraform a a, a red rock. Yeah, it's kind of an escapist mentality. It's like, oh, well, let's run away from our problems instead of trying to solve them here. So, yeah, I totally agree. And I mean, obviously he was seen smoking a joint on Joe Rogan's podcast. So hopefully he would consider the other side of the plant to, uh, to solve some problems. But we, uh, I think he talked to Joe about CBD and was like, does that Hmm. stuff even work? 
Right. Because um, Joe, I think, has a CBD line or did have a CBD line. Yeah, I think he also works with um, uh, that company that's doing, like, the the synthetic T-shirts and stuff, the hemp, hemp-based uh, fibers that are, like, broken down. The, I forget what it's called. But viscose? Hemp. Yeah, viscose hemp. Is he? And when it comes to viscose hemp or bamboo, you'll you can hear a lot of different opinions about that out there. With it's just as toxic as petroleum, and and maybe that has been the case. But from my understanding, there's new technology for creating the the viscose materials from natural fibers that mm-hmm. is a lot less. In, impactful on the environment than, than it has yeah. been. The, the, the chemical process has, has been refined and um, it's more closed loop right now. And, and so that is going to be a way of the future. And I know that there's purists out there that certainly have a different opinion on that. But I, I would hope that from the purists to the innovators and biotech people that hopefully we can have good conversations and we're all um, – smart enough to realize that we all don't have all the answers and that we need each other to bounce stuff off of and that there's different Mm -hmm. ways to do things. Yeah. And if it can be thought up, then someone's going to try to do it. So it might as well be as, as um, sustainable and efficient as possible. And yeah, I mean, if, if this is a, a shorter path to a more sustainable approach, I think it has a place in in our our marketplace to to provide something like that. It's, it's you know supposed to be a free and open market, so why not? You know if if it's a little bit more sustainable, a little bit more eco friendly than cutting down trees or using petroleum based products, by all means, it's a good a good bridge or another you know another solution. But like you said, for the purists out there and the people that are wanting the authentic true hemp products, those are those are going to be available too and, and are today. So. Right. Um, Another opportunity that is untapped, I think, is is from a, a waste material standpoint. There's some new mm-hmm. gasification systems that are being developed where you're they're taking trash from cities and basically creating this formula, taking the trash and and incorporating hemp waste into that and creating. Uh, power cylinders, so to speak. So you could pretty much power a city by trash um, that also has some other ingredients in that trash mix, and one of them being hemp, and whether that's 10% or 20%. So um, I think that that's pretty exciting, too, because we need to learn how to to power our society outside of petroleum. And yeah. it's going to take a lot of different sources from the sun to the wind to hydro to – Mm-hmm. to plant waste, and I it, it, here's another use for hemp. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no doubt. So for someone just getting involved in the hemp industry or, you know, let's say someone currently has a hemp company, or not a hemp company, but just a, a general company, maybe they're an investor of sorts or an entrepreneur, and they want to dive into hemp, maybe start their own hemp company, what sort of advice would you offer a new hempster to the market or someone, you know, starting their own hemp company? Well, I would say do something that you enjoy and that you're passionate about first and foremost, and do your research, understand the market and the demand for the product or service that you're 
trying to provide or wanting to provide. And then make sure that you understand the economics of whatever it is you're looking to do. Uh, and hopefully you've got financial resources available to you that uh, will help you move along for a while um, and give yourself some time to, to get on your feet. And I would also say don't start a CBD brand because there was 4,000 of them back in 2019, and I think there's 1,500 of them now, and that's a, not yeah. a good market to get into. The market's still way oversaturated. And then I would also say ignore the haters and the naysayers that are out there. Uh, there's lots of negative armchair quarterbacks sitting behind their computers spreading right. discontent, misinformation. So screw them. Don't listen to them. Ignore them. Um, I need to say that to people because there's there's they're still out there and they're always going to be out there and yeah and there's so many people that have succeeded and by just ignoring that you know some people just don't want to see other p people succeed and so ignore the haters right cool that's super helpful so do your research try to avoid cbd unless you can do something that's extremely unique and different that no one's doing and you really know how to position yourself in the market. But yeah, I would say avoid the CBD too. That, that's great advice. And don't, uh, don't listen to the naysayers or the haters. Just stay focused, do what you love, and um, the success will eventually come if you're you know, doing a really high-quality product. And um, if you're looking for, obviously, marketing support or media attention or um, you know, brand awareness, you can reach out to hempaware.com or any one of your, um, your websites. If, if you would share um, the websites, the best place where people can find you and learn more about each one of your brands too. Uh, well, you can go to wafba.org. That's W-A-F-B.org. And there's a landing page there that's got really all the brands and you can click on those. It'll take you directly to the website, but you can go NoCoHempExpo.com, SouthernHempExpo.com, which we've got coming up in August 18th through the 20th in Nashville. Tickets are on mm -hmm. sale now. Exhibitor and sponsorships are available right now. Um, and let's see, we got Let'sTalkHemp.com. If you're looking for the latest in hemp news, we put out a weekly newsletter. You can subscribe right there and keep up to date on all the things that we're doing for our events, as well as all the information coming out around the world uh, regarding industrial hemp. Uh, TreeFreeHemp.com, if you're looking for hemp business cards or flyers or brochures for marketing your business. And if you are in the hemp industry, you should try to utilize as much hemp marketing collateral as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, cool. So as far as, you know, the, the problems that we're dealing with as, as, a, as humanity, you know, we've got environmental problems, economic problems, health problems on a, on a you know, personal level uh, that people deal with. What would you say is the number one most important use for industrial hemp right now on the planet, you know, considering all these major issues? Well, this kind of encompasses multiple things, but I would say that we need to use hemp as a rotational crop on a massive scale, grown regeneratively so that we sequester carbon back into the soil, 
And the vast majority of this should be dual crop for grain and fiber. And the grain can be used for human foods as well as animal feed. And then all the leftover stock material can be used for non-woven fiber applications such as construction materials and composites like I already mentioned, biodegradable packaging, since we do have a huge plastic problem and we, we got to fix that. So that's what I would say. I think that if we grow hemp on a massive scale and rotate it and not just monocrop it so it becomes the next soy or corn, we don't want that. We need to grow millions and millions and millions of acres regeneratively and sequester carbon. That's going to be um, mm -hmm. a huge thing for mitigating climate change. And again, mm -hmm. if we do that, and it's a, generally a dual crop for grain and fiber, then we've got a lot of uh, a lot of material for food for humans as well as animals, and then we've got a lot of material that can go into all the different industries that we've really already talked about. Right. I love that answer. Yeah. I mean, most um, interviewees that I talk to, they, they mention like food or housing, you know, that that's like a huge pollution um, cause or cause of pollution right now is the construction industry and all the waste. But then of course the unhealthy homes we're living in, but I, I love your answer because you really brought up a point that a lot of people aren't talking about. Of course, the conscious people and the regenerative ag people and organic farmers are talking about it, but most people don't realize that all of the topsoil of our land is being eroded and destroyed because of this monocropping GMO pesticide herbicide uh, push. And, and so I would love for you to expand a little bit more on what, what does that mean, regenerative agriculture, and how does that differ from conventional farming and, and monocropping? Well, when we talk regenerative agriculture, and I'm not an expert, but I've certainly mm -hmm. had experts speak at NOCO Hemp Expo and Southern Hemp Expo, uh, mm -hmm. Ray Archuleta, John Rulek, you know, David Bronner. Doug Fine, you know, Doug is awesome. Mm -hmm. I'm sure, oh, yeah. Uh, and yeah, he's been on the show. You, you can't grow the same crop over and over, season after season, and continue to spray it with glyphosate and other fertilizers and and pesticides and so forth. And and when we talk regenerative agriculture, we're not spraying the crops with any synthetic chemicals. It's it's. It's working with the land. We're using cover crops so the soil doesn't erode. And we've also got livestock that are roaming and they're not confined into these like factory farms. And there will be a lot of blame against the, the meat industry. And rightfully so, the way that we grow our meat for whether that's beef or pigs or chickens um, on these big factory farms. And then we're growing soy and corn to feed them and we're spraying all the soy and corn stuff um, with a lot of chemicals that's going into the food that we're eating it's just like we got to stop that and if if people aren't familiar with regenerative agriculture i would recommend watching the film kiss the ground which is a great mm -hmm. film that came out a couple years ago woody harrelson narrates it and it really gives a good overview and understanding of what regenerative agriculture is and and how 
going to this practice, um, we heal the soil. The, we, we bring carbon from the atmosphere back down into the ground. And we're not spraying our crops with chemicals that are then going running off into lakes and into rivers and then into the ocean where we've got all this acidification going on. Um, we have to change our path because if we don't, humans are not going to exist for, mm-hmm. I, it, it, it might be 20 years. It could be 50 years. It could be a hundred years. But if we keep going on the same pace that we're going and we don't make a serious pivot to change our agricultural practice practices, we're not going to have, um, we're not going to have human beings much longer. Yeah, I think it was Dr. Zach Bush that said if we continue in the trajectory we're going at how quickly we're eroding our topsoil, I think we have like 20 years of of topsoil left unless we can shift gears and get into this regenerative agricultural approach and not be doing um, uh, all the tilling that we're doing and, and start really focusing on biodynamic, diverse, um, you know, soil, it, it's not going to, we're not going to be here. So I, I love your answer. I think that's super crucial because that it's like, in, even in the Bible, it says, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils, the breath of life and man became a living soul. So we're literally made of the dust of the ground. And so if we can, take our soil and regenerate it and revive it. It's, it's the foundation of our health. It's the foundation of our existence, um, you know, to some extent. So I really appreciate that and hope our listeners take heed and make better choices on, uh, you know, what they're doing with their money and, and time and focus more on, on hemp. Uh, but if there's any last thoughts, um, I did want to ask you a little bit more actually about Silver Mountain Hemp because I'm a musician myself and just love this idea of integrating hemp into our plastic products and wood products. Tell us a little bit more about that process, how you guys make the hemp guitars. How do they compare to existing uh, tree-based guitars? Well, they they stand up just fine to them. And I started with working with a company out of Canada called Canadian Hemp Guitars that I think launched in 2013 and I got one of their guitars out to NOCO Hemp Expo in 2015 and then I asked them if they would private label for me and uh, they were also making ukuleles which were really cool at the time too and and they made me a few guitars and unfortunately it was just a, a couple of guys that are musicians and hobbyists they had other gigs going on and so it's not like they were doing this full time and the process they use is they would actually have a wood core and then they would take a a hemp matting like you you know the matting that you would maybe see for um um like uh for gardening and stuff just like a mm, like a felting material thing. and they would take that and they would compress it with like a a of soy binder and then they would wrap that around the body of the guitar and cool and but i would say probably 10 percent of the guitar on that was hemp as far as mm. the body the rest of it was really wood that it was just more of a wrapping uh, a laminate. Like, yeah. and mm-hmm. then uh, i came across a, a group of guys the french brothers that are in atlanta georgia or actually they're in alpharetta and they were making guitar cabinets for a guy who had a company called the hard truckers and they would build cabinets for a lot of jam bands and so forth. And they were making birch cabinets, but they had 
they had made some hemp cabinets back in like 2008, 2009, and they were getting some hemp board from China. And I think they were sourcing it from Larry Serban and from hemp traders at the time. And mm-hmm. uh, whoever was manufacturing that in Asia, uh, the quality became inconsistent. Uh, they wanted three-quarter inch board and they would be off by a millimeter or two. And it just was really inconsistent. So they stopped screwing around with it. And, and I got some board product from Sunstrand before those guys went out of business in Kentucky and had them build some prototype guitar cabinets for me. And then all of a sudden here comes Hempwood, uh, which is also out of Kentucky. And they're making flooring and the, the materials that they're making, they're compressing the stocks with a soy binder and um, you can make cabinets and stuff. And so we got some of this material as well as material that Larry started producing here in the United States called Canagrove which is a mm-hmm. cannabis particle board, 100%. They take the whole stock and basically shred it and press it mm-hmm. kind of like a, a plywood, except it's it's got more density than that. And mm-hmm. so we made several, I mean, run a guitar cabinets that are 100% guitar cabinets, and they've got uh, hemp cone speakers in there. Tone Tubby is a company that's been making hemp cone speakers for 20 years. They're out of the Bay Area. Have you ever mm-hmm. heard of them before? I have, yeah. Okay. And so Tone Tubby also provides those cones to eminence for a line of their speakers called Cannabis Rex. And so they basically provide the cones to them and the Cannabis Rex speakers are less expensive than the Tone Tubbies. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we put those in the, the guitar cabinets. Um, and then we also have built some combo amps now that have either the Tone Tubby or the eminence Cannabis Rex speakers in those. And then I had those guys start building guitars. They're like, hey, we'll build guitars for you if the Canadian guys are unable to fulfill your needs. And so mm-hmm. we've built probably 10 guitars now, 12 guitars. And uh, we built a couple strap body guitars, a couple kind of telly, but not telly. It's a, it's a telly knockoff, but it's not a complete ripoff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then so those we got like a Hempcaster what I call is the Hempcaster V1, which is more the telly body, and then the Hempcaster V2, which has got a slightly different horn on the top, mm-hmm. and three different pickup configurations. One is really kind of a telly setup, and the other two is I've got like three single coils and then a double hawker one. Mm-hmm. And we, some of those are 100% hemp bodies using the the hemp wood and the Canagrove, and then. Uh, I made a couple of them that have hemp wood uh, on the top and the back, and then there's a alder core. Um, we tried to lighten them up a bit. One of the issues we've had is the, the weight of the guitars. These um, using the hemp wood and the can of grove, they're about eight to eight and a half pounds. Um, mm-hmm. Getting them under eight pounds has been challenging. We've have we've looked at chambering some of it, but we're not sure how that. Uh, Canna Grove will last over time. It, it's it's mm-hmm. an unknown. So right. utilizing the materials that have been currently available on the market has been interesting. It's been challenging. Uh, but thus far, it's all held up really well. They sound great. I think the biggest, the biggest point of guitars is not necessarily just the tone wood, but it's really the pickup configuration and, and the setup mm-hmm. and the if you've got really yeah. good pickups and and you do, that's the most important thing. Right. Um, 
you've, of course you've got the purist and the, the guitar snobs out there that will argue that point as well, and everybody's entitled to their own opinion. Of course. Well, I think just um, for for conversation's sake and, and having a hemp-based uh, cabinet or, or guitar is just super cool. Just just to have in your lineup, you know, as as one of your uh, axes in in your in your uh, setup would be cool to have. So definitely check out SilverMountainHemp.com to get yourself a hemp guitar or speaker. Um, but yeah, do you have any last advice or, or thoughts for other hempsters, hemp entrepreneurs out there um, that you want to leave them with? I would just say stay positive, stay focused. This plant uh, needs a lot more supporters than it has right now. We need an army of leaders in the hemp industry that are uh, beating the same drum. And that's really, just stay positive because I think that while there's been challenges the last several years, the oversupply of CBD, two years of a pandemic, I think that we know now that our planet is in trouble and that there are solutions out there. Hemp is definitely one of the solutions and there's going to be tremendous opportunity for growth in the hemp industry. So if, if you're in this industry, stay true to, true to your vision. And I think that we're going to see over the course of the next five, 10, 20 years, this industry emerge into one of the biggest industries on the planet. Very well said. I'm in complete agreement with that. And, Really appreciate your time today, Morris. And <clears throat> by the way, if you haven't already gotten your tickets, everyone, check out Southern Hemp Expo to um, go to Nashville and experience the hempsational event that Morris is putting on with his team over there. And if you have a hemp company and you need help getting more traffic or sales, or if you're wanting to design a new hemp website or redesign what you've already got and especially if you want to start getting seen with masterful branding and graphic and web design services then feel free to reach out to us at hempaware.com schedule a call today and we'll help you make your hemp visions come to fruition thanks again morris really appreciate you and everything you're doing to empower the hemp sphere appreciate you being on the show hey thanks tyler um keep doing what you're doing i appreciate everything you're doing as well my pleasure. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in. Make it a hemp day, and we'll see you next time. Peace out.